If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello, I'm Jordan Smith. And I'm Ben Smith. And you're listening to Yes Chef. This is the podcast where we go in search of our favourite chefs. Across some of London's top restaurants and top kitchens. Where we sit down and we find out what makes them tick. If you like food, you like chefs, you love this. Bon app. Hello, Yes Chef listeners. How are you? Excellent. Jordan, how are you doing? I am buzzing again, mate. Obviously, getting in there and doing these podcasts, I've had such a good time. That's because you get fed. It's because I get fed. It's because I get treated like a, a normal human being. Do you want to tell our listeners all about this one? So this week's guest is Adam Hanlin of Frog. i tell you what, it was all a bit mental, wasn't it? It was overwhelming. We turned up listeners to do a podcast. Obviously, you expect to turn up, have a glass of water, record a podcast, go home. Boom, boom, boom. That didn't happen this time. We got fed a banquet. We had a five-course dinner. Even the vegan producer, Kieran, was sat in the middle having our separate meal. They were like, sorry, Mr. Uh, Mr. Yates, would you like a glass of wine? Three, for, to be fair, we had three glasses of wine each. I, 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 I had a well, ro- you had three glasses I of wine. I had rosy cheeks. Some of us are professional. Some of us are professional. You were on the water, weren't you? And Kieran was driving. Well, it was just me then. Um, listeners, have a fantastic episode. Enjoy. We'll be back to you very soon. See you later. So we're here with um, Adam Hanlon. How are you doing, Kay? I'm good, I'm good. This is a um, pretty decent start to the day for me and the, me and Ben, eh? Th- well, thanks for the feast, first no first of all. Um, we're in a very difficult place now. Well, we didn't, to, be quite honest, we didn't, to be quite honest, we didn't expect it, did we? So if we, let me explain to the listeners, um, you are listening to Yes Chef podcast, and um, me, Ben, and joined by Adam Hanlon. We just turned up to Frog by Adam Hanlon in Covent Garden. One, well, one, it's a beautiful place to come into, and then two, we said... Do you fancy come for some tea? Do you fancy having some food? And we were like, well, go we on. Say, well, we thought about it for a second, didn't we? You can't say no to that, can you? But and, my God, it was fantastic. Well, it's good for you to understand it if you if you taste it. You know, mm. it's better to better than explaining. Well, I don't know. I mean, how many courses did we have to have? Then about five, six? Did we have to have? No, did we have? I didn't say have to have. Come on, mum. I didn't say that. But um, it was gorgeous. I mean, how do you, like then, does this happen a lot? When you go and, when someone comes and does the kind of sits at the table, yeah, yeah. sits at the chef's table, do they say you, you choose a lot? A lot of them will go for the tasting, um, uh, and if you go for the smaller one, you'll you'll get other little bits just chucked at you nicely. Obviously, the snacks, uh, yeah, yeah. So you can taste it, um, and and it's more of an interaction. So once that you know you're not on a date, or if you are and the date's pretty bad, then you can talk to the kitchen. Yeah, but it I've is, done that it, before. <laughs> we all have, uh, and it's just really really good to interact and have that 
connection. Anyone who sits on that front desk behind or the front pass behind uh, where you can't see on the pillar, I have a post-it of every area. And that area is, uh, uh, it's, it's got everything about that person, where they work. Ah, oh, right, okay. How old they are. That is basically the hosts stalk the crap out of them. It's like a James Bond esque kind of. But it, you know everything yeah. about him. It's 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 it's, it's good. To, it's good because even if ones get a little bit grumpy or a little bit overly drunk or whatever, you just crack something in that. Oh, I hear you work in wherever, and they're like, "How the hell do you know that?" I says, "Listen, sit down, behave. I know everything about you." <laughs> That's brilliant. Wow. That's powerful was that, stuff. Was that a, a big choice? I mean, like. So this is your first on your own. Was this the first one you had, or was it my the- second, my third, my third? This is this is my third restaurant. Yeah, you're talking about the Empire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do, do you want to do you wanna take take us through the Empire? Oh, a little Empire. So E1 in uh, in Shoreditch was my Hospitalfield was my very first restaurant uh, that opened uh, two and a half years ago. Sadly, I just shut the doors. The lease ran up on that one. That was very bloody emotional. That one. Second one being a meet in the city. Um, it was our very first sustainable cafe sort of thing. So it was open, uh, Monday to Friday, seven to seven. Um, Covent Garden, Frog Bottom Handing. The restaurants did enough that they can, we can have a flagship mother restaurant and it's being this built over two floors with a secret bar. And then, uh, I opened Hoxton, our ridiculous beast. Three restaurants and one. It's very beautiful, very arty. Uh, yeah, it's, it's amazing. I love that. Um, I mean, well, that feeling, cause like you're a young lad. Let's be honest, yeah. Like, does that, do, you're not buzzing. Do, do you have to just nip yourself or do you go like, right, calm down, feet on the ground? Because you seem like I've met you a couple of times now. You know what I mean? Some people, it go right to their head. I mean, let's be honest, to have that much and also the responsibility at your age. Yeah, well, it did go right to my head when I opened my first restaurant. I thought I was bloody king of the world. It's my very first one. You you, you do kind of need a reality slap. Um, but now after you have them all, no, it's, it's, it's you're much more focused because you realise you have all your staff's, you know, future in that your hands. You can either mess it all up and completely destroy them. You can mess up your own business by making something wrong, and that's where it becomes real. You know, we're about to open a hotel uh, in uh, in Sloan Street in Knightsbridge uh, at the end of the end of the year, and that's uh, that's going to be our last project for a long, long, long time. Um, but yeah, the more you have it, it is a bit surreal. You open bit addictive. it. It is a bit addictive. It's like crack. Yeah, you know, it's, it's exciting because when you make, when you make new things, it's, it's, it's just really fun. Developing is the most exciting part. Well, no wonder you take little naps in the back cave. It's, it's needed. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. So how do you, um, split your time between all the different projects you've got going on? I go to, I go to the mall every single day. Um, during the day is me more traveling around the mall and doing work and, with my laptop and that sort of stuff, developing dishes. Nighttime, I'm on a pass. Whichever pass it is, in the re- I'm, I'm on a pass. Do you choose that or is it like... I, I choose that. I, I go where business needs me or I go where I feel like there's been new dishes and you want to make sure everything's all good. Yeah. That's... Uh, yeah, keeping that's an eye on top... Just keep it on top of it all times. Yeah, yeah, keeping an eye. Well, one thing that we do love is we love creativity and individuality. So all my management teams from all of the restaurants, all the bars, they get to showcase themselves. They get to put themselves on a plate. Underneath my circle, um, they get to do whatever. No dish goes on unless I've seen it. No dish goes on unless I've tasted it. We make, we make tweaks. We don't just, I, I, my mouth isn't the only one that has an opinion. We do it as a team. So Stephen, our group chef, me, we'll go over with a sommelier, we'll go over with a group GM, and we'll, uh, we'll taste with that chef who's created that dish along with the team even if like a little comedy comes up and goes maybe a little bit more acidity 
you know, it might not be correct. It's their opinion. But at least he's but got the take, balls to his own do it. Exactly, because some people you, wouldn't. You take that on it. And we, we, we kind of encourage you to like, wake the hell up. Tell us your feelings. Do you like it? Do you not? What do you think can make it better? What do you think will make it worse? And it's all about that sort of thing. And that dish there then is a part of everybody. So the chefs serve all the dishes in all my restaurants when you go for the tasting menu. And having that having that little bit like, oh yeah, I said to put a little bit more salt on it. And then now the recipe's changed and the salt goes up. But that's the thing. It's now part of them. It's not just my dishes that they're repeating like robots. It's ours we create together. And I think that's the that's a really cool thing about our restaurants. Our chefs are so happy to serve it and our waiting staff are so happy to talk about it. When I went to the when I went to Hoxton a few weeks ago to uh, the frog and when the guy it's the first time in a long time the chefs had come over and you tell they were happy about it. So sometimes you've been places and they've come over and you can tell they're not buzzing about that. They're busy yeah. at the back. I got um, I got the dessert and the guy came over. It was just absolutely stunning. It was just a nice interaction. Yeah. If you, I mean, I, I like that kind of stuff. Anyway. You get to meet the team as well. Mm. So it's like they're not just they're not just robots behind the stage. They're, they're actually they're, they're performers too. They're chatting. They're passionate about it. And when you see their little face and they've just spent all day making this one little dish, you know they're really happy that you're eating it mm. and you're happy about it. Yeah. And also the the team big thing. We sort of chat outside me and Ben and Kevin were just saying like so you, you, you suit, well, your top chef's been working for you for 11 years yeah Stephen so you, from Newcastle yeah, yeah, yeah so I used to be the chef of the Malmaison in Newcastle yeah that's right yeah, yeah. he started as a commie came in not knowing any chefing experience at all he, uh, he, he his, his heart his, his heart belongs to music so music is now a huge influence, and um, he was uh, he was a DJ in uh, in Spain and France. He's uh, misses, and um, he worked in I think it's ZZ's for a couple of months, and then came in asking if there's a job you want to learn how to cook. Yeah, he had this little guy, he's ten years older than me, and um, coming in the restaurant, you know, ruggedy hair, looked like looked like a little hooligan, and we're like, okay, come in. But he came in with a, ba- a smile that has not left his face. In 11 years. This guy is the happiest person you can ever imagine. He's got no ego about him. He just loves phenomenal food and great service. And he, he built his way up the ranks. He kind of, he never wanted to go anywhere higher than the chef to party. He's like, I'm a chef. I want to cook. I don't want to be a manager. I don't want to tell people off. I just want to cook. And you, you kind of shaking him like, dude. You, you know, you could be so much better. Wake the hell up and just take that extra step. Move that little leap. And then that's where you kind of change from being a chef to party on a section, pushing, being excited by what you're doing, to being a manager where you're creating. But yet, when you haven't done it before, it's a little bit worrying, and then you develop, develop, develop. Yeah. Another guy's The Rock. Wow, that's, yeah, that's, he, that's he, amazing. He looked, he looked very happy, and also to meet a fellow Geordie. Yeah, he's, yeah. he was very happy to meet me, you could tell. <laughs> you know, that smile le- never left his face. Um, I think it's a good time to go on to our, um, our bring it right back a bit, and go back mm. to kind of your, your go, past, your you youth. deep. You want to go? You want to get a bit deep. I've done, I've, I've I've had you before, and if you'd before, and he's, he does, he gets deep very well. So I want to go into it straight away. But um, we always start the podcast after a long chat about after food. a five course meal. <laughs> after a five course meal and a few <laughs> glasses of wine. No, we always start the podcast asking like your first food memory. Uh, I think it was making chocolate truffles with my mother when I was younger. I had a sugar intolerance, and I, I couldn't eat that much processed sugar. So I would make desserts with my mum, and one of them was like chocolate truffles. And I remember that all the time. I, I didn't give, a, I didn't care too much about cooking anything else with her, but I cared anything about dessert-wise. You can lick the bowl. Yeah, mm. of course. Uh, and I, I come from a large family, so every one of the kids wanted to be a part of that one. That that was it. That was my yeah. So growing up, who, who was the cook in your house? My mother. And what what was their 
what was the food they were cooking? Did they have a trademark signature? She, it, she made everything. She freshly fresh made bread every single day, uh, a, a cake every single dessert time. They That's were, gone on it. That, yeah. I, I miss that going back to your nana's. She's got a, a tin full of cake, but yeah. homemade cake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every, every single day she would do it. She was a, a military family, so my, she was a stay at home mom, looked after the children when my dad was away every four months. Uh, and it was very much, um, everyone's trying to poison everybody. So I'm cooking for you. You know, she didn't trust the dairy because it was processed dairy. So she, it was, it was organic stuff. She didn't trust the bread because it was full of additives and crap. And she it, literally, she was mental and she really took care of looking after the children. She did the best she could. I, I thought she was a great chef until I became uh, probably about 18, three years into cooking. Then I'm thinking, you're actually pretty shit. No, <laughs> I'm Don't kidding. Tell her <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm joking. No, she was always, always great. I used to be the one that would be like, add more salt, add more salt, add more salt. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, now, now we both can't be in the kitchen with each other when we're cooking. Cause... So who does Christmas dinner then? Uh, well, I haven't been home in pff, 10 years. Really? To, for Christmas dinner. So you cook Christmas dinner then for yourself? Yeah. I, I shut the whole company down for Christmas. I take the, I take the chefs that don't have a lot of family or whatever here or they're not going home with me and we all go to Asia. Oh, um, I have done over the last few years. So mm. anyone, anyone, any one of the chefs can come with me. Um, and me and my, uh, my friends, we all go to Asia. My God, I'm getting a job. I'm getting a job tomorrow. I'll, put, I'll, I'll wash your pots, mate, if you want to take me to Thailand. No, that's fantastic. Yeah. Um, so the mil- the military thing, yep. I didn't know this about you, we didn't talk about it last time, but the military thing, do you think helped you become who you are now discipline maybe um i don't know i mean working them kind of hours being away you know does is, is that i did that a kind of uh I, I don't really think i i didn't i didn't really realize it until afterwards you know i was very blessed my childhood um the schools we went to the the countries that we lived in we were very very blessed you got to see a lot of a lot of the places and eat a lot of food meet a lot of cultures but the one thing that the the military family did do is it allowed you to be able to stand on your own two feet every year you would move to a different school there was one school i was at to i was at for two years that was the longest time i was at one school right and when you do that you got to meet new friends you got to meet new people you're in a new country you know all that sort of stuff and it kind of pushes you out to be able to be you know, I'm happy who I am. Confident. Uh, and, and you go for it. Yeah, massive confidence that allows you... It, and also character building, isn't it? Yeah, big time. Yeah, big time. It, it's sad when you say goodbye to your mates, but we're all in the same boat. I went to military school, so everyone was a very out there kind of... You did have some knobs, though. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, of it. course, of course. But, uh, you yeah. any skill, don't you? <laughs> it, it was quite... But it was it was good. So you say, you're saying you moved around a lot. So how was your relationship with food when you were growing up? Um, and obviously moving around a lot, you get to try all these different kind of foods. So how, how was that for you? Uh, trying them was good. Uh, trying, but not being told what they were right. is how you would eat them. I was still, I was still a picky little kid when I was under six years old. I, my mom had to dye my vegetables different colors. So I would eat them, you know, put, put, uh, coloring in my mashed potatoes. So I would eat that. I was a very much, uh, um, Heinz tomato soup. Pasta shapes. You find that about a lot of chefs. When you talk a lot of chefs, they, oh, it's they all like, oh, I eat it now. Yeah, like, that's, that's, they don't go up. They don't go up on fragua. Do you know what yeah, I mean? It's yeah, like, exactly. They, they're eating. You're, you know, you're having um, what they call smiley faces and stuff like that. And I have a cousin, right? This is a weird story. I have a cousin. True story. It's called James. He'll kill me for telling this. But for years, until he was about eight, he'd only eat 
honestly, they only eat the inside of Greg's sausage rolls. So his mum would have to buy him. Like, honestly, he was like a sloth. He was huge. He's, he's tiny now. He lost loads of weight, but all that. But he used to just literally, she used to buy him like, eight sausage rolls, peel them, and that's all we'd have, which is probably the most terrifying looking thing. And um, I once got him on radio. I once, I, I made him call Radio 1 to tell the story, and he was on Radio 1, and he never forgave me. Wow. Sorry to interrupt, Adam. <laughs> Picky eaters. Picky eaters. And what were we on about? Sorry. So, yeah, dyeing the mashed potato. Um, so, basically... So, what colour were you dyeing this mashed potato? Oh, she dyed them all the colour. Blue, red, loads of colours. So, you didn't want to eat it because it was the normal mashed potato colour? I, I think I didn't want to eat it because it was vegetables. I was still one of them picky kids. Uh, it wasn't... In, I wouldn't eat mushrooms. I wouldn't eat anything. More texture sort of stuff. It wasn't until Glen Eagles when I started working. Uh, I didn't like most things at the beginning. And then it wasn't until I tasted, but well, made to taste them. Did you, you did you make it clear that you were a picky eater as a chef? Well, not for the job interview. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, but I was going to say, when you got in there, would you be like, try this mushroom? No, no, I'm not a mushroom. If you die, yeah, yeah. Have you got a red one? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Uh, yeah, I know my chef made me. He goes, how are you supposed to serve it? How are you supposed to understand it if you haven't understood it when you've eaten it? You don't have to like it. You just got to understand it. And it wasn't until... It was that then I'm realising it's actually pretty good because it's made correctly or, or it's done a certain way or it's whatever. And then you get more and more experimented and then all of a sudden you're like, boom, I love everything. There you go. I think I'm the same. I think I was, when I was a kid, I'd eat everything except for black olives. It's the only thing I want to eat. Still, Weird. still don't eat olives. Do you not oh, eat olives? I love olives. I, I love them. them. I could, I get, I, I could get tubs like that now in Morrison's, literally, yeah. like, a, like a mayonnaise-sized tub, you know, like an industrial... Honestly, sit there all night, like crisps. Yeah, I love olives too. So what, was there a point when you kind of just thought, right, I want to get into food? What, what made you want to become a chef? Well, it wasn't, it wasn't to do with becoming a chef. The reason I became a chef, it was that I didn't need to go to university. Mm. Family are very old school. Um, I'm, I'm Scottish, so if university is free, it's completely silly not to go to it. But I was not an academic person at all. I wanted to be out with my friends. I caused more trouble than, than you can possibly imagine. And yeah, I was grounded for most of my summer holidays, put it that way. This sounds interesting. Uh, yeah. Come on, let's, let's spill the beans. My last summer holiday, I was 15 years old. It was, so I got, I got the job, I got the job in Glen Eagles before, before my summer holidays happened. So I was 15. So I was like, boom, I don't need to do my, uh, I don't need to do my standard grade or GCSEs in this place. I can leave because I've got an apprentice. My mum phoned them and says, you're not get, he's not starting. He hasn't done his exams. And they allowed me to do my last ever summer holiday. It was about a week in. I got grounded for the whole of it. My last summer holidays grounded. Uh, but was that a good thing though? Because then you had to you had to do your GCSE, you had to revise for that, you had to get ready for it, or was it already done? Well, in Scotland you do them before, right? right so right. I had done them all. I was like, boom! I'm oh finished. no, the party! Yeah. Do you mean the party nine weeks? Every, yeah, everything was finished, and I was grounded. That's good in that because that is. I'm, I'm not. I'm not going to rub it in like, but I'm just saying that is probably the best summer of your life. Yeah, because, no, because no, it's the no, one that goes. No. But obviously, you were working. You went straight to work. But it's the only Samaldis that doesn't stop. It feels like about a year. It's about nine. It's about twelve weeks, isn't it? Twelve? What schools you? No, going? because you go from there, don't you, to college? Or well, nowadays you you can't you can't go. You've got to have something. Years ago, you could just do whatever you want when you finished. It was like they would get rid of you. But yeah, now yeah. you've got to go into work or college or education, which I think is a brilliant idea. So anyway, the reason I became a chef was so I didn't need to go to university. I got an apprenticeship. Um, my mum gave me the ultimatum of me mourning and mourning. Don't want to do be a chef. I don't want to. Sorry, I don't want to go to university. She says get an apprenticeship, whatever you want. 
plumber, painter, decorator, whatever, but make sure it's in a high-end establishment so you can continually get you some sort of qualifications if you fail. And um, I got a letter about the first ever apprenticeships for Glen Eagles Hotel. And I told my dad, she's, he's like, do not tell your mother. Do it yourself. I'll take you and we'll go. So a couple months later. And anyway, I got it. And I was, um, and that's when I told my mom and she says, only you can beat me at my own game. And then says, you're still not doing it because you need to do your standard grade. So it was still the same sort of, same boat. So they allowed me to keep it open 10 days after my 16th birthday. So they, they postponed it for like eight months, the start date. So they must have seen something in you. I remember that first day going to that very first interview like it was no tomorrow. Go on, talk, talk, talk us through the interview. I mean, like, 16, any interview, the only interview you've done, well, I don't know, paper round, yeah, <laughs> milk, yeah. milk round interview. Yeah, which you know, didn't last long. Can you pick up two semi-skims? Yes, you're in. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But Yeah, no, my, my interview was, my dad was like, you got to look presentable, so wear my suit. And I'm, I was lanky as hell when I was younger, so it's like, Pretty much stereotypical. You're wearing your dad's suit, got my little tie on and everything like that. And I walk into Glen Eagles. If anyone's been there, it, it's a showstopper of a hotel. It's beautiful. You rocked up at the roundabout. You got out. They took your car away. You walked in this door. And then the car, the right at the end is the reception desk. I walk there like, I don't know, a terrified, terrified little 15-year-old. And I looked up to the desk and the woman was like, are you here for the apprenticeship interview? I said, yeah. She goes, pointing that way to the ballroom. Now, these walked up to the ballroom and it was floor to ceiling doors. Must have been about 10,000 feet high. And I'm opening these really heavy doors and it was this gigantic room with, I, I show you not, two tables on the other end of the room. And I'm like, you could have brought it closer. People are going to be nervous here. So like I walked. It's a real film. It was, it was exactly just like a movie. And it was, um, uh, I, I, wa- I walked in and the HR director was standing by the stairs. So I go down and she holds her hand out and I shook it. The oh. most girliest, weakest, pathetic oh, no. the handshake wet, the wet handshake. you could ever give anyone. And that was the first day. <laughs> did, did, was it nerve wracking? As in like, did you, when you give that interview, do you reckon you got everything right? Or do you reckon they just saw something in you and just thought, oh, you know what? He's going to work his ass off. They must have saw something in it. They must have saw a determination not to prove my mother correct. <laughs> that was the one thing that I think they'd done. Like, this, this, this boy's onto a mission. Might not be to be a chef, but he just doesn't want to go to university. And no, I was very honest. I was very open and I was excited. And I'm a very excitable person in any sort of thing. Well, you're passionate as hell, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. And um, going into that building first first hand was just like i want to be a part of this it's awesome yeah amazing i've never been i really want to go i really want to go stunning place (sighs) sounds nerve-wracking i mean i mean every kind of interview i just hate that that thing i think i I, you know i I did i went to drama school i did drama school interviews and they put you in situations that obviously you'll never you'll you know 30 kids they all want to get something and then they put you in a room and instead of doing it on your own they put you in front of them and they say okay then do your speech in front of 30 kids, and you're absolutely terrified. They said to me, sing, and the guy before me banged out David Gray or smashed it, right? And I go in there, I'm like, well, I, I couldn't sing for, for Toffee. So I go in there and sing, buddy, consider yourself. And I'm grabbing hold, I'm grabbing hold of the, you know, like the security guard. Come on, get involved, mate. You know what I mean? <laughs> Co- awful Cockney accent, the whole lot. But yeah, let's get back to food. Sorry. <laughs> so was that your first job in a kitchen? Yeah, that was my first job. Yeah. What were you doing? What, what, what was your day to day? What did you love? What did you hate? I was on, um, I was working nine to five for the first, I think, nine months. And it was literally veg prep. Mm. Peeling veg, making teas, making coffees, cleaning, 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 peeling more veg, cutting, cutting, cutting. Did you love it though? Uh, no, I hated that. I was bored of my mind. You know, you peel, you can, there's only so many potatoes you can peel without thinking, 
Hmm. Buy him peeled. (laughs) (laughs) No, but it it wasn't until um, I said to them, I said, can I not work dinner service? I've worked in the Strath and this place was only open for dinner. So I was there nine to five just being a prep person you didn't really see what all the hard work was for and they were like no you can't you're, you're still only young you're going to do this and then next year you can do dinner service and I was like no I, w- I want to do it and he's like well if you want to you can but you've got to make your own way back I lived in Dundee at this point I wasn't allowed to stay in staff accommodation by, it was owned by a Diageo so it was a massive drinks place uh, and um, I was like yeah yeah I could do that and I, I stayed with some of my friends that were um, that I, I met and they were there and it wasn't until I did dinner service that I thought this is pretty awesome it's the adrenaline. What isn't was it? it that you loved about it? Uh, I I loved about the fact is you couldn't stop. Everything was fast, 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 fast. There was one. What I did. I passed my very first dish up, and I remember what the dish was to the pass of the chef that I was on the fish section helping helping the fish chef, and it was uh, braised fennel with this little uh, um, uh, confit sea uh, trout and uh, lobster ravioli, and then it had a little tomato v and caviar. And I'm carrying it up slow as hell as he's screaming in my ear, faster, blah 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 blah. But as soon as I put it on the tray, the ravioli fell over. Oh, no. He he threatened to kick the shit out of me if that ever happened again. And I was just like, oh my God. Took it back. Christ. Went to the fridge, burst in tears, came back, did it again. <laughs> the walk-in fridge where every chef goes to crack. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But it was a very rough kitchen. Very rough. Very, very harsh. How big? So how, how many chefs are we talking? Because a lot of people go into a pub, a pub first, a bit of pot washing. Not many people's first ever experience is to walk into one of the biggest hotels in the UK. Yeah, I think there was 110 chefs. Wow, that's phenomenal. Yes, yeah, uh, it was at that point in time it was the third best hotel in the world. Mm. It was it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful place. Does everything. It's incredible. So you're talking about that dish now. Obviously, that was someone else's dish. What was what was that key moment that when you well, first of all, sorry, when you kind of realised, hey, up, I'm 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 pretty good. I'm actually I'm actually really good. <laughs> you know, I can do. I you know because obviously you're with 110 chefs. So there's many people who are at your level, right? and then when you thought, you know, I'm gonna. Where, where, did you, where did you find your confidence in food? In I cooking? found the confidence when I went onto the grill section. So the, this section, the kitchen's old school. They have sections as everything, you know, hot sauce, cold sauce, blah, blah, blah. So I went on the grill section and uh, my chef to party that I was there got um, kicked off. And I was told to go to, to run the section myself. And um, I was. Why did he get kicked off? Uh, he came in totally off his face. Right, okay. And uh, the, that's fine if you can get the job done of them days, but if you couldn't even do your own job, that's it, go home. So he got, he got suspended immediately and I got to do it. So where there's usually two people, there's me, a little commie in this kitchen that does 350 covers of a really ridiculously high place. And um, I just bashed on with service and I did it so well. I wasn't, I was. I was going for it and going for it and going for it. And he said to me afterwards, he was, you did a, you did a bloody amazing job. This section is now yours. And well, I was just like, well, oh my God. Text your mate. That's the thing, isn't it? What, do you, what does your mate think when he's lost his bloody? Uh, yeah, I, I was glad. I thought he was shit anyway. <laughs> there you go. Dog eat dog. Um, what dish did you make yourself? Like, as in like it was yours. What was it? And what was the thing that was like the light bulb moment where it was like, oh my God, that's my dish. I'm so proud of that. Um, sadly not in Glen Eagles. It wasn't until a long, long time later where I, where I realized my own style. You know, there's ways you can cook dishes where you think that's what people want or you cook dishes because that's how you were taught. You know, people are going to, people are going to mimic their, their, uh, their teacher because that's all they know. Um, but it wasn't until maybe 10 years later that I realized that, oh man, this is our style now. And I think E1 was a, was one where it kind of made that. The restaurant before it in Westminster where I was at, it was great, where I was I was obviously the chef there, as was the, the Fairmont before in St. Andrews. But it was, you, it's like you're trying to cook for other people. You know, you, you, you're trying to showcase like, a, you know, 
all the best ingredients no budget i don't care it's not my money and you're just making awesome food but it's like an ego thing mm. you know you've got turbot with caviar and truffles it's just like jesus i don't use i don't use very much any of that stuff anymore it's all about phenomenal ingredients and great 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 food but being smart with it and it wasn't until i opened e1 where i was just like you know what no more prime cuts no more caviar. We keep the truffles, though. <laughs> we keep the truffles and we made the celeriac dish. So the, the mother, which is the only one that's been on my menu for uh, for about seven years. But the, the the dish that was very smart was the cheese donuts. I was sick. I love cheese, but I was sick and tired of cheese plates. I thought, if we're going to do something, we have to do it different. I've had them. the bloody lovely, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go. Carry on. So we made, a, we made three different cheeses uh, into a, che- a one cheese donut so it was all mixed together and then covered it in more cheese and truffles and it was that little bit like oh donuts donut and brioche pretty much the same thing one's fried one's baked and it was the uh this is our cheese course and then we got a notice for that and then it was playing around with that being more let's be our style just make great food and e1 made me realize that what i was or what what kind of food i was going to do and now that now it's like i walk into any a restaurant and i start making food i don't make food for the customer i make food for me and that's why people like it i always tell the team that stop seasoning for a customer season for yourself stop thinking about what does this what, what we're in Covent garden let's do some touristy dishes why don't Cook dishes you want to eat so you can relate to them, so you can be personal with them. So when when they eat it, if they don't need, if they don't know the story or they don't want to know the story, it doesn't matter. It's still a delicious dish. So you don't need you don't need them to relate to the dish. You just need them to enjoy it, and uh, that's that's the main thing. Be yourself. I always say, I always see in every interview or, or every time to the chefs or whatever, be yourself. Do you think that? Covent Garden because obviously you've gone to Hoxton which is a bit more you know our age a bit cooler but it, obviously it's a tourist place I've worked here before you've gone to get constant footfall do you feel like um, I don't know what makes you more happy then I mean you're cooking for yourself still and all that kind of stuff but you're going to get constant footfall here. it's less of a fight you know with Hoxton yeah. being brand new is it somewhere where you, where you like to be more do you know what I mean or is it just like wherever well even though that this is in a tourist area we're not a tourist restaurant mm. You know, the dinner dinner time books up weeks and weeks and weeks in advance. And tourists, they don't book, like, weeks and weeks in advance. When they're in London, they might have a few restaurants that they want to go to but haven't actually booked yet, and they want to just rock up and, and, and hope they can find a seat. It's ones that have actually booked that are coming for an experience in this restaurant, um, which, which is which is phenomenal, obviously. Five th- post-theatre and um, uh, pre-theatre, then, yeah, that's that's we have a few more walk-ins coming in in that perspective. But it's like, you know, six, seven people a night. So you know, the rest, the rest of everybody else is booked well in advance. Wow. So you were saying um, you cook food that you want to cook um, and you, you've just changed the menu here at Covent Garden. So what inspires you um, to create new dishes in, in a whole new menu? Where do you take that inspiration from? Inspiration from everywhere around me. Yeah. I'm, inspira- I'm inspired by things I love. I'm inspired by things I don't love. I'm inspired by things I see. I'm inspired by things I smell. You don't need to enjoy or you don't need to, you don't need to like them. You don't need to love them. You just need to understand. You need to understand them. You need to see what you like. That's that's in a way. Well, <laughs> I like that one. No, it's true. And that's, that's, that's inspiration. You're, you, if you're an open minded person, you can be inspired by everything. Mm. If you're a closed minded person, you'll be a miserable person that's not inspired by nothing. Everyone is in the, everyone's in the driving seat of their own car. You can either put your foot down, you can either just plod along, or you can hit the brake and get the hell out. Mm. Nobody, so ones that are like, oh, I can never do it, I can never make it. 
How can you not? Has someone literally chained you to the floor or do you yeah, not just exactly. care about life? So I'm inspired by everything and I'm a very fast moving person. So I'm the one with my foot right down. <laughs> but the team love it because they're all running beside me. That's the thing. Nobody is, not one person in the team is like, oh, no, this is just a job for part-time or exactly. a summer job or whatever. No way. They're well, no, proper it, professionals. It sounds very much like a family and you're very, very close, time, yeah. which, you know, kind of, um, pe- oh, I suppose people don't struggle for motivation because they've got you as a huge inspiration. You're cooking all this amazing food. Um, I mean, that, that must be a great experience to have. It's good. And it, it's good finding the young ones. The young ones that come through the door because they've, they've, they've seen you, they've heard about you, they've been following you, but they're, they're inspired by it. They obviously have no idea how hard it is, but when they come here, as much as it's hard work, it's rewarding work. You serve the food. You see the customers. Yeah. You also are, you have a say in the dishes that we create. The right there is things that they can only dream of. They're not behind, they're not behind um, a closed wall where no guest can see them getting shouted at left, right and centre because they, you know, broom was something wrong. Do you wrong. prefer that though? Do you, do you, I mean, like you've obviously done both. At Glen Eagle, it's not open kitchen, but I'm saying your big decision was putting it all open because it's open at Hoxton Frog as well, isn't it? And like one thing I said to when I went with my missus, we were just like, it's just so nice because you... Yeah, it's like you don't really, you don't notice us, but we're looking at you. I'm sorry, we are. And it's that bit where you've got a big barbecue in there and I couldn't stop watching. It's like proper good kit banging out. And for me as a nerd, for, as a foodie, you're just like, right, okay, that's coming from there. Right, write that Sticking down. Write that down. Cat. We're going to get one of them for Christmas. All right, put the Argos there. But I mean, you know what I mean? So you see all the stuff and it's really nice. I think it's a bit like, I always compare, compare things to music here. Yeah? I think years and years ago when we were going up, you couldn't touch your rock stars. You couldn't, you know, there was, a, you know, your, your Gallagher's and like, it was like, oh, whatever, you can't touch them. Now everything's accessible and people want to have that. So now you could see him walking down the street, Gallagher. Do you know what I mean? And then I want to see my food. I want to see the, the theatre, the energy. And then obviously I get to talk to you at the thing and it's quite nice. I thought it wasn't let, I don't think you're listening. That's the thing. You got, you've got the posted note, haven't you? Size nine shoe. Using new gel today. That kind of vibe. And then when you turn around and spoke to me, I was talking to Ben and he said, no, well actually, and I was like, oh my God, he's bloody listening. He's bloody, you must, you've got to be alert though, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I got ears like a bat though. Like I can literally hear everything. And the one thing about the past table is where you don't realise, just above, if you have a look, there's two vents. One is blowing the air so that you don't hear the kitchen going crazy. I was thinking. The other one is sucking on. it in so I hear your words. It's wow. James Bond stuff again. Well, it, it, yeah, it's, a, it's, it's very clever, but it's the idea is because the kitchen is so open, mm. you don't want to be hearing the buzzing of the extraction yeah. or, one, or, or clinking and clanging of pans or spoons or someone literally losing their shit uh, and going crazy. You want to you be able to be you know, excited by it but not have everything that there's going on disturbing your meal um and uh that's how it's done how hard is it for you then if something is gone you you want to kick off do you pull it do you pull them back or do you kick off uh you kick off of course he kicks off man it depends on how it's done you know obviously i I wouldn't grab him by the throat but i would definitely uh, stern word yes or even just the look that's even more dangerous. Yeah. Someone say, so if your dad looks at you like that, you're, you're terrified. Like, oh, yeah. I'll be a clip man on the air all it's done. Yeah. Then it, right, I'm getting you later. Yeah. <laughs> that's and that's how that's pretty much what what it is. You can just turn around. There's no point freaking them out that much no. because then the rest of the service they're on eggshells. They're not concentrating. They're just too not worried. Not giving the 100%. Exactly. They're too worried to make a mistake that they just make constant mistakes. Mm. Instead of being, you know, in the zone. They feel um, like they're wearing a dad's suit. Exactly. Well, yeah. <laughs> and uh, so you deal with that afterwards. Well, let's, let's talk about some of the food. Because you said you, you changed the menu, but you haven't changed all of it because you've kept some of the key dishes on because you're frightened in case you, if you take them off, you might lose your windows. Yeah. <laughs> but what, what makes 
those dishes really special for you right, it's, it's it's like the um the hake dish that you had yeah, phenomenal. so the fish Amazing. the fish changes all the time but the sauce doesn't mm. and it's that thing where well, seasonality is a major 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 thing but that sauce uh was was it was created for a specific dish that they got developed 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 and it's got better and better and better and it's kind of a thing where most people talk about the fish dish you know mm-hmm. split with uh split with spring onion juice it's just really really tasty the tomatoes the the hake they change all the time how do you even think of that do you do you just experiment is it a case of getting loads of stuff wrong and then finding something? Or was it just experience? Well, a bit of both, to be fair. Even the experience, people make mistakes. You know, even you make you make a dish. Out of 20 dishes I make, probably seven of them will be like, no, it's, there's, there's no point trying to develop that. Let's just cut it off just and start like, again. Waste of time, totally. Yeah, yeah exactly. There's uh, That happens with actually quite a lot of them. I just give up and like, no, no, let's completely back to the drawing board. Apart from one, there's a dish called posh potato. That posh potato we didn't give up on at all. And it's basically the flavours of a barbecue potato on a coal when you're cooking your, uh, when you're cooking barbecued fish and all the juices are coming down. It's so smoking and then you chop it up, make a potato salad. That there, that story, that dish is the only one we didn't give up on to make it perfect because it was a part of our childhood. Does it niggle you though? The kind of thing like you're in bed going, that bloody potato. Do you know yes, what I mean? And you're like yes, thinking, you're actually. like, of course it does. It's like you're thinking, like, well, you know, you're in bed when you're driving, when you're on the tube. I mean, like, it's got to be in your head. You have a little notebook, like a little lyric book type thing. Uh, yeah, I write everything down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, it, it does. You can't sleep. And I know it's just like, oh, yeah, it's just, a, it's just a bloody potato. But it's not. It's like every time you eat it, you feel disappointed in yourself. You feel like you've been cheated yourself when you're eating this dish. Because you have to taste and taste and taste and taste. You're like, I feel terrible, man. This is this this isn't in my mind. This must be better. How do you make it better? And then, uh, yeah, you play around, play around. Was there a happy ending with the potato? Oh my god, it's amazing. Right, so, okay. how many pages in that book are about that potato dish? <laughs> lots, lots and lots. <laughs> we'll get there in the end. It, it's persistence, though, isn't it? It's creativity and persistence. I mean, you didn't get built in a day. You know what I mean? You've got to got to work on things with dishes as well. Is there any point where you get a bit bored and you go? Don't want to take it off the menu, but I want to improve it. Or do you just go, right, we'll take that off for a bit, let it have a bit of a rest, and then bring on something new? Oh, yeah, all the time. Yeah, all the time. We, um, we always improve dishes. The pork and kimchi dish has been on since E1, so it's been on for about two and a half years. It's nowhere near like it was then. Yeah. It's improved massively. And it's that fact is, I love, the, I love this pork. I love the way we cook it. The garnish can be better. The flavour combination, when you're eating it, that's, that's exciting. But now I've had it four or five times. I'm bored out of it. Customers love it, but I'm bored. So let's make it better. Let's make it better. Um, so yeah, we do that a lot. So with with food evolving both in your kitchen and kind of um, culturally, um, and you've got big topics like sustainability and, and veganism. How do you think the the future of food will kind of come to the forefront of of your kitchen? Well. I think the future of food is something that we should all be doing now, which is looking after everything, the waste, zero waste. You can't be 100% zero sustainable, but you can bloody work hard to try as much as you can. Uh, and well, I have my bean and wheat, so my bean and wheats um, are zero waste. They use all the waste from the restaurants. Um, and when, when you say waste, it kind of it sounds dirty. Like Why, well, would, people, negative why, word, why would people buy it? There's no word to say 
do you say surplus? That means you're incompetent to buying. There's no really word. So, for instance, we have a whole monkfish dish um, that's cooked on the barbecue in uh, in um, Hoxton. And if I can't get it the next day, I use a different fish. Or it changes continuously. But if I've got three or four left over, a whole monkfish, I can't put that on the menu. I'll sell out halfway through service. So what do I do? Do I change the menu or do I say we don't have it? So we'll put a different fish on. And then them four fishes that we got, we then break them down and we turn them into dishes for bean and wheat. So we don't waste it. It doesn't go to staff food like it has done in most places. We literally use everything. We buy whole lambs. We can't use the legs. We'll do roast legs and we'll we'll slice them up and we'll be having, you know, ridiculous big lamb sandwiches and bean and wheat or salads or whatever. And it's that sort of stuff. You need to be really, really smart. Curries, loads of things. So in terms of that perspective and food waste, we we are pretty much there. You, you were talking about the, the crackers before. Yeah, yeah. using the beers. Yeah, t- tell us about how the process of that. So we we have um, we have got beer shops, so two hundred and eighty different craft beers on the menu, and we all know craft beers the shelf life isn't ridiculously long. And ones that are going out of date, or the ones that have, because the freshness in them is quite small, will either um, we cultivate bacteria and we turn it into vinegars using scoby and the other ones was all the leftover bread we will cut it up because we make the fresh uh, bread fresh cut it up burn the bread and then we soak the burnt bread in that beer blend it into a puree mix some tapioca with it dry it out puff it out comes out like a prawn cracker but you're literally using everything everything do you just do you just wake up one morning like ding ding got it right i did that beer i didn't start i didn't start the um uh this idea Mm. trying to save the world I started this idea is this is my first restaurant. Now it's my second restaurant. We're losing money. Let's know tomorrow. Let's be smart. Mm-hmm. We, we, we're only going to be able to survive because of the rents in this. Yeah, I was, was going to ask that. You can I've, say it. You yeah, can say it. All the costs that come in before you even sit down and have a glass of water are through the roof. So it was the idea is like, I'm not, I'm not in this industry to make loads of money. I'm in this industry to have a really great restaurants and really good food and to be known for something. And it was like, you know, either start doing it or fail and you're finished in the restaurant industry. That was how it was. And then we looked into it even more. Our food waste, let's recycle that, turn it into compost. So we all turn our food waste into compost, turn it into a, and that's for our farms. So our farms get done on our own food waste. And then the vegetables come in, it works that way. You had some juices today, black oh, and white. Like, Did you see them? Really nice. That's, yeah. that's, that's one of my companies that I own. So uh, all the, we have, we have um, four quite green leafed ones because we don't have any pesticides on our farm. And obviously caterpillars and butterflies, they like to munch away the leaves. We can't serve them in the restaurant. Mm. You can't. You, you, you won't be happy with a, with a munch thing. So we'll then cold press juice them all and turn them into juices and they get served in bean and wheat so it's literally using absolutely everything it's the circle of life uh, yeah big time um, but that's the food waste one so, uh, be, being a little bit more smart on plastic for instance mm. Mm, massive big, big thing topic. at the moment massive yeah. but why now it's yeah. crazy how you, no one's known for so long I think I read something about Mac, imagine how many McDonald's plastic straws are served just in London in a year and the thing most people just gone you know what i mean it's like it's terrible it's like we, we need to be more which mean more informed that's our thing i think people yeah. are informed the public knowledge are informed. is power yeah exactly yeah but but I, I don't understand why people are doing it now we haven't used plastic straws in our restaurants in over a year okay yeah that's still pretty short we've been open for like two and a half three years but yeah we, we haven't been using any of that stuff and it's being very smart we don't have we don't have um our suppliers comes in with their with their uh deliveries they empty all the boxes they leave it on the pass they take it away they don't we don't want their boxes we don't want their cardboard we don't want any of that stuff it's so annoying isn't it 
I mean, that th- that kills me. We get, I get a veg delivery every week for my roast, packed, and that's it. And they and they're plastic kale boxes. And you're like, where the hell's my, where am I going to put them? The bin men don't take them. Just take them back. Recycle, recycle, recycle. They do, do the oil guys. The oil guys come in, oh, yeah, bring your yeah, thing, yeah. and they're brilliant at it because they make money off reselling the oil when it's cleaned. So because they, that, that makes their business. The other guys are like, yeah, whatever, just get rid. Yep. People need to be just a little bit more clever. There's my, there's my passionate <laughs> plea to the listener. I, I was on Sky News this morning talking just about that. Wow. All about that. It was a bit of a downfall when you came on this one. I'm buggered now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, was it a bit of Sky News? Enjoy it. Oh, it was good. Yeah, it was, uh, yeah, maybe Sky News. Maybe Definitely wear your dad's suit. <laughs> no, I was wearing my chef whites. <laughs> I now have my own suits now. <laughs> I know. God, I remember the first suit. I mean, we used to call it back home. Back home, if, if you had short, you know, when you wore the wrong kind of size pants and they're up here, if your cats died. So for some, I don't even know what it means. You used to say budgie. Budgie budgie's died. died. So you turn up to school. You know, when you, I got, I got my hand me down. So you turn up to school with a little short jeans. You have your, have your socks on. Or the worst day, you wore the half socks with the Doctor Martins, and everyone laughed at you because you got terrible ankles. And you, your cats died, and you're just like, oh, put your head down, pal. Um, right, let's move on to. We're, got, we're getting close to the end because I know you're a busy man, but. Um, Obviously, after the sustainable thing. We're going to talk about, um, kind of, you, you make some amazing, what sounds like really complex food. Um, but what, what kind of gives you the drive to be at the top of your game? I want to do, so, well, what top of my game? I've always wanted to be one where it sets a trend. Now I don't care. Now I want to do what I want to do. Because you are the trend. Well, <laughs> thank you. No, I, I, I want to, I, I don't know, it's... I'm, I'm not, I'm not trying to impress anyone. Like I said, I'm being true to myself. But what we're doing is, I, I, we're fortunate as a group, we do travel around a lot. We were in Amsterdam last week working. We're off to New York in a couple of weeks working. We're, and the team all comes with me. We, we travel around a lot. So we're inspired in that perspective. So what we're doing to, to, to keep moving forward is just to keep doing what we like to eat. Yeah. Being more inspired, changing stuff, stop being stagnant, stop being standing still, move forward. So do you feel that you're constantly learning as, yes. as you go all the yes. time and that's how you kind of evolve? Big time, big Amazing. time. Amazing. What about, um, you know, you mentioned some place that you're kind of, um, you're, you're traveling around a lot. So what food outside of your restaurant is is exciting you now? And can you can you talk about a few dishes from certain places anywhere in the world? Uh, well, I'm, I'm, I love Asian food. Massively, I think you saw that by one of my dishes. Yeah, oh, that was um, phenomenal. Yeah, by well, the way. that was crazy. Yeah, that was that sweetbreads. Yeah, stunning. Very nice. Uh, so I love Asian food because I love the simplex- simplistic approach to great flavour, mm. getting as much flavour out of something as possible. But I don't know. I've tried dishes that are inspired me. Uh, Massimo uh, Massimo uh, Batura's uh, five temperatures and textures of Parmesan was one dish where I actually dribbled on the table by mistake. Wow. Is that the one where, oh, what, what program did I watch? And he goes in, I think I watched, um, what's that, F Fuck That's Delicious, that program, and he got in there and in the room, and he's got, you've got each form and you've got the hard, you've got the soft, and everyone's just like blown away because let's be honest, it's just amazing. Like just cheese on its own, any cheese, but the pan was like, and like, oh, the umaminess to it. And, yeah. But the, to actually make that dish with him and then taste it was a bit mental. Uh, that was the dish where, I've never had my mouth tingle that much before. Wow! It, 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 you know when you, you literally feel like you've got a lisp or you, you dribble on the table? And I actually dribbled on the table. It was. I felt so embarrassed. I'm like, oh God. I bet he was buzzing though that you did that. that. Was, was, it, was he a nice dude? Very nice guy. Extremely inspiring. He seems to be. He does the, he does the cooking, doesn't he? For like, He gets the old women in from uh, making the pasta and teaching the kids that I make, make pasta and stuff like that in his restaurant and stuff in the kind of break. He's a, he's a good guy. 
very good. So that was one dish. Another dish that I really was inspired by about the terms of flavour is Satbane's black scallop. That dish is incredible. Talk us through it. Yeah, well, it's it's like a um, a black leeks, black scallop, little tapioca crisp on the top. It's really quite hard to explain, but it just tasted absolutely bloody incredible. That's one of the dishes we, oh, I, that lives with me as well. I, I really, really like that. Well, we, we've just been feasting. We're listening to food. I hope the listener gets across how happy and full-bellied me and Ben are. And I, I mean, do you eat a lot of your food? Do you, do you when you go home do you, here? Do you eat all day? Do you eat? Do you... I eat my food every single day. You try. So you want to try the dish? You want to every try... day. So what do you cook at home? Nothing. Beans on toast. Wow. High smart soup. In the Micro- mic- microwave sausage rolls. Wow. Yeah, big time. Just get it done. Get yeah, it out. Uh, cheese on toast is what I live on. Have um, you ever had a sausage roll and you kind of peel the outer? <laughs> and just... My cousin James well, will sort you out. Yeah, when I'm hungover, I, I, that's, that's, I eat sausage rolls, but the cheapest ones from Tesco's, and then you put them in the microwave so they go soggy. And I eat around them and eat them that way. But I use, I use the sausage roll as a spoon for tomato ketchup. Wow. There I heard actually... This is, uh, is the top chef talking now, guys. So next time you want any advice on your sausage rolls, um, please give us a call. Anyway, um, superb. Um, we're going to finish up. With a nice little quick fire, we want to try and get something. First thing that comes in your head, um, they're not the shortest quick fires because you knows we don't like to do things like short. We're gonna get you know get some get a conversation out of it. So go on. I think we'll um, show me a start, Benny boy. I think you're already there, pal. Go for it. Top three foods you couldn't live without: cauliflower, chocolate, and salt. Wow, straight off the cuff. I like him. Amazing. Let's go. Let's Boom. go. Right, food guilty pleasure. Uh, well, I think I just said it. The sausage rolls that I use as a spoon for tomato ketchup. Biggest food regret. Oh, deep. Biggest food regret. That can be your personal. That can be what you've put on the menu. That could be one time you had something dodgy. I don't care. You just come up with it. Biggest food regret. Book at a KFC in Thailand. I love KFC. Yeah, who doesn't? Come back to that one. Okay. Right, here we go. Um, right, three bits of kit in the kitchen that you couldn't live without. My fish pan. Um, my favourite spoon. I taste everything with this one spoon. A favourite spoon. Um, oh yeah, you need a favourite spoon. He's got uh, a name. And my and my knife. Yeah, I, I'm an old school chef. I, I I have water baths to heat my puree up, but I don't cook meat in it. I cook meat properly. There you go. I've, I've, I'm just concentrating on the spoon. Sorry. Um, if you had to eat one meal for the rest of your life, what would it be? Typing rooms, lobster thermidor tart as a starter. Beef Wellington. Oh, he's going three course again. I'm loving this. Oh Come yeah, sorry. Yeah, it's a three course man. Beef Wellington. Um. Uh. From. Um. Well, actually. I, I do I do a lamb wellington that's got haggis around it, which is bloody delicious. That is my main course. And for my dessert, uh, will be Hospital Roads apple tartatan. I love pastry, by the way. <laughs> I was going to say, bloody hell. Puff pastry, crispy puff pastry, and the sausage rolls, yes, uh, is a theme. So I've, I've got the last one, but do you, want, do you want to go back to the food regret? Have you got a food regret? I don't think I do. That's great. That's, hey, that's, 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 hey, well, hey, if you haven't, no worries. No regret. No regret. Yeah, no regret. No, no, no. So what's your food regret? No regrets. So basically, this is the last one, right? And who would be your ideal dinner date, dead or alive? What would you eat and where would you take them? Michael Jackson. I'd love to meet that man. I would have loved to meet him. Can, uh, you, move, can you moonwalk? Uh, well, we, we've all tried, don't we? Yeah. Without the clogs. <laughs> I try every morning. Uh, where would we go? I don't know, actually. I'll let him choose. Oh, hey. Options. What will he eat? I just mentioned it. <laughs> there you go um, thank you so much for today no worries thanks and for thank coming. you for feeding us it's been amazing and um, we'll be probably coming next Tuesday so I'll see you soon right? <laughs> see you soon thanks, thanks a lot bye bye cheers thank you very much for listening to this week's episode of Yes Chef with Adam Hanlon I really like that he's great isn't he 
What a dude as well. I mean, like, really good restaurant. The food was so, so good, wasn't it? And that back cave. And the back cave, mate. The back cave. I hope... I wonder what people, listeners, get at home from listening to us, kind of, like, excited, like, little boys in a little room. It's like a den, wasn't it? Well, they should tell us. They can leave a comment. They can like. They can subscribe. And write a review. So, listen, people. We'll see you next week. Yeah? Have a good one. Hope you're having some nice food. We will be. Bye-bye. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.